Welcome to MCC from the Capitol, a podcast by the Missouri Catholic Conference. Today, taking care of some of our most vulnerable. The need is overwhelming. There simply aren't enough uh, foster homes. There aren't enough adoptive families and potential guardians. The need is immense. We invite you to listen along as we chat with experts about public policy issues from a Catholic perspective. We hope you enjoy this episode from MCC from the Capitol. Welcome to the Missouri Catholic Conference from the Capitol podcast, where we take a deeper look at the social and political issues facing Missouri and the Catholic Church and how those issues will impact public policy. I'm Heather Buechter. The importance of the family for the life and well-being of society entails a particular responsibility for society to support and strengthen marriage and the family. That's a quote from the Catechism of the Catholic Church as referenced in number 2210. A Missouri Catholic Conference public policy priority is to uphold and strengthen marriage and family. Family is the basic cell of human society and the foundation of civilized life. Presently, the institutions of marriage and family are threatened by a culture that no longer values authentic marriage and stable families. The MCC will support legislation and funding for programs that encourage two-parent families and provide assistance to single parents and their children, promote responsible parenthood, assist victims of domestic violence, and help families who are poor or have children with health problems or disabilities. So how can we, as everyday Catholics, apply those ministries in our own communities? Dr. Michael Meehan is the CEO of Mary Grove, a child welfare agency that helps children, teens, and young adults learn how to transcend an abusive past or overcome other life challenges and move toward a brighter future. His former ministry includes working with Good Shepherd Children and Family Services, which provides both foster care and adoption services. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good afternoon. So as we focus on the importance of family, I'm curious to know, who are the children who come to Mary Grove? Can you tell us a little bit about them? Sure. Uh, It differs a little bit by program. We have four lines of service. We provide round-the-clock residential treatment to kids who've experienced abuse, neglect, trauma, or have other struggles. The lion's share of those youth come to us from Missouri's foster care system. So these are youth who've been removed from their families at some point in time because of substantiated abuse and neglect. And these are kids who've simply struggled to live successfully in a family setting or in a more normative setting. And so these tend to be kids who have some particular behavioral challenges. But we also work with kids who are under the jurisdiction of the court for other reasons, perhaps uh, delinquency or other behavioral concerns, or even those with developmental uh, difficulties and challenges who come to us from the Department of Mental Health. It's really a variety of things. We also provide treatment foster care. So uh, it is a high-level kind of wraparound foster care program with specially trained families who are highly supported, who work with kids who are particularly challenged kids who may be at risk to come into a residential setting or kids who may have come from a residential setting or trying to transition to something a bit more normative. Uh, We provide uh, some special education services, particularly for those kids who are in our residential treatment program. And then another kind of set of kids includes those we're working with in transitional and independent living. So these are older youth who are 
essentially on their own, don't necessarily have stable family to fall back on, and also don't uh, have the skills quite yet to be able to live successfully independently. So we provide them with safe housing, round-the-clock support, as well as ongoing coaching and teaching around life skills and all the kinds of things that kids would ordinarily learn in the context of a family. Yeah, it sounds a lot like um, you provide that stability in mentorship that young people need in life. Right. Oftentimes, right. It's We are stepping in uh, where perhaps the family has left off or where the family is, uh, has struggled. And I read on uh, your website that Mira Grove impacts the lives of more than 700 young people every year through different services. I'm curious, how long do these programs last and, and what is the age range in which you see? We work with with youth who are anywhere from perhaps six years old at the on the on the young side, perhaps a bit younger in our treatment foster care, but that's uncommon. All the way up to 20 or 21 in our transitional and independent living program. Kids may be in our in, transitional and independent living program for well over a year. Uh, really, kind of depends on on what they need. It's limited a little bit by age, so sometimes that can be a sticking point. And then residential treatment, probably the average would be six to nine months, but we have kids who've been with us again well over a year. You mentioned these programs are offered to children still in their family's custody, but also those in the foster care system as well. And worth mentioning, Missouri currently has more than fourteen thousand children in foster care, according to the Department of Social Services. Um, your former ministry includes Good Shepherd Children and Family Services. Can you tell us about the need for foster and adoptive families and what that process looks like? After several years in Missouri of, of the sort of the number of youth in foster care, that number going down, we've been steadily increasing for a decade or more. Uh, and so the, and the need is overwhelming. There simply aren't enough foster homes. There aren't enough adoptive families and potential guardians. Uh, and so the, the need is immense. It should be stated that the most common outcome for youth in foster care is, is reunification of the family. So first and foremost, kids do better if their families can be healed. Uh, and, I, and I'll say that when I first came out of graduate school, um, way back a long time ago, we still had stone tablets and stuff like that <laughs> when I got out of school. But we had this kind of idea or something that was drummed into our heads that if we could just get these poor kids away from these bad families, then everything will be great. And the reality is after 35 years of this work, I've met a couple uh, of, of parents um, that I felt like just kids shouldn't be there in that home. I've met hundreds and hundreds of loving, desperate parents working the absolute best they can uh, with very limited resources, financial, emotional, psychological, many times dealing with uh, transgenerational trauma, um, all sorts of things, uh, poverty, unmet mental health needs, addiction, all sorts of stuff. Um, but parents who love their children every bit as much as I love my own. Uh, and so when we can, the idea then is to heal that family. And I think for us in Catholic Charities, that's a particular value, right? Because we know that there is a holiness to families uh, and to allowing families to do what families do best. Kids do better when they're with families. When that's absolutely not possible, then we look for alternatives. And that may be a guardianship arrangement or placement with a member of the extended family. Um, or if that's not an option, then maybe someone from outside the family. But the reality is we know that kids do better in families. And right now in our foster care system, um, we're extraordinarily stressed. The labor crisis has, has really crushed not only providers, but the foster care system at large. 
case manager are overworked, supervisors are overworked, there aren't nearly enough foster homes for the kinds of kids that desperately need that care. And then also for those youth for whom uh, reunification with family or extended kin isn't an option, we need families open to adoption, right? Who's, who, for whom there is room in their heart and their home for uh, an adoptive placement perhaps. And I'm a firm believer, God creates families through adoption just like God creates families through conception. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that reunification point is well made because even when you are fostering, you can love on the children. And, and if it hurts when you have to give them back, then you're doing it right. But also, Absolutely. even through that adoption process, I mean, keeping that family connection. I've, I've talked to many foster parents and adoptive parents even who say that the child just feels so much more loved and well-rounded when they still have ties with their biological parents. Mm-hmm. And that and that's true even post adoption for many for many kids, you know my own uh, family story is I I got a bonus godson and a niece and three nephews because my brother in law and his wife had a heart for uh, adopting four siblings out of foster care not what they had planned in fact they specifically had not planned that they were fostering and were certainly open to the idea of adopting a second child or maybe even a third but these children came into their home and were with them for several years and. And when it became clear that reunification wasn't going to be an option, those kids were going to be separated. You know, they were going to be going with different parts of their biological family, paternal, different paternal grandparents, et cetera. They prayed over it and and discerned. And ultimately they felt like God wants these kids with us, but they partnered with biological mom, biological mom, you know, fought that process understandably throughout the whole way in terms of trying to keep custody, did her level best and things didn't work out. But in the end, even she acknowledged, if it, if I can't do it, I want my babies to be with you, uh, is what is what she told them. And so been with our family ever since, and it was a, a very easy transition. What is that process like for those who are considering fostering or even adopting? I know there's a few uh, a few steps in the process that you have to take, but what should the first step be for someone who's considering that? I think the first step would be to reach out to either to the Department of Uh, social services or to one of the contracted agencies that works with the Department of Social Services. Throughout the state, there are a number of those agencies, but just to get some information, right? There's absolutely no commitment, right? In terms of just getting a, a bit of background, like what would be required and what's it like and what kinds of kids might I have in my home and what requirements would I need to meet in terms of my myself, my home, et cetera, just to even see if it's a possibility. What I typically tell parents is if it's on your heart at all, even to ask, then it's worth getting some education. Absolutely. And, you know, maybe for someone who may not feel that call to foster or adopt, but still wants to help, what type of opportunities are there to still be involved in helping these children? I think there are lots. And so, you know, when I worked with Good Shepherd Children and Family Services, a sister agency through the Catholic Charities, you know, Federated Agencies of Catholic Charities in St. Louis, we had a variety of ways for others to participate. And uh, we had engaged parishes, for instance, where families within the parish would provide support for foster and adoptive families within the parish. Uh, And that might be providing a bit of respite care or meals or social support or whatever it might be. It may be uh, volunteering or donating to those agencies that provide foster care case management services, work with foster kids, either in a residential context or in terms of case management. There are a lot of ways, I, I think, to engage and also to kind of feel your way into the process. So it may be that 
right now, I, I'm, I don't feel called to have kids in my home, but maybe down the line, right, uh, I would be able to do that. I don't think, well, I know for certain that for my own family, my, my brother-in-law and his wife, um, that was not the plan. They were open to the idea of maybe fostering um, uh, for a time, uh, maybe to consider adoption. But with these four siblings, that was never the plan. It wasn't on the table, wasn't on the table for the Department of Social Services, wasn't on the table for them. Everybody knew what the rules and expectations were at the outset. And the fact is, you know, God, sometimes God intervenes. Uh, <laughs> That's what and, I was about to say. That even happens, you know, when you have children of your own, you know, sometimes right, you, exactly. you don't plan that all the time. Didn't <laughs> plan for twins or triplets or exactly, another child. Exactly, but, but you're grateful uh, for the blessing and, and it changes your life in such a positive way. <laughs> and our family is so much richer for it growing in that particular way. You know, you did mention respite care. And for those who don't know, that's just something like maybe the foster parents might just want to have a little break from the kids for the weekend. And that's just a safe place. Uh, you would go through some training and the kids could just come hang out with you for the weekend, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so individual foster parents obviously are allowed to use babysitters just like everybody else. And so that, you know, that's a, a an easy thing to do. But folks can also essentially sign up and become formal respite providers for the Department of Social Services or other agencies. There is training, just as it would be for foster parents. Um, there's a, a great deal of uh, supportive training, again, partly to prepare uh, for that and to make sure that foster parents are properly equipped, but also to provide the additional education so that they know they're making a truly informed decision to be able to do that. There's ongoing training and support. Foster parents are never kind of alone. Uh, there is 24-hour access to support uh, at, at all times from a case manager or others. In our treatment foster care program, for instance, 24-hour uh, access to crisis care at any time. And folks can hop in the car in the middle of the night and come to the house and figure out what's going on and help and support. So kind of everywhere in between. And I love that um, you mentioned that parishes can be involved in that support system too, because really that is a part of our extended family. How awesome would it be to know that your parish family is supporting you on this beautiful ministry? Absolutely. And uh, to know that there are people in your parish who are, who are doing this, who are feeling called to do this, to fill this critically important role for a child. And you know, as a parishioner, I kind of want to know that because, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I meet people periodically and sometimes in circles where I don't expect it, not in professional circles, but in my personal life or, uh, you know, I'm in a, in a hobby or whatever. And somebody says, oh, yeah, I'm a foster parent. My first thing is always like, God bless you. You know, that's a, it's so desperately needed. You know, my first impulse is to, you know, is to give them a hug. Like, man, we, that's fantastic. And to know that within a parish, you may have multiple foster parents uh, or folks who are considering that. So to make it an extended ministry, sort of a fabric of support uh, for kids in foster care and others, I, I just think that that would be incredibly impactful. And again, tell us the connection between these agencies and what they share with Catholic Charities, because this is all kind of under the Catholic Charities umbrella. Absolutely. So uh, currently in St. Louis, Catholic Charities uh, is structured um, in a way that's quite a bit different than in most dioceses. Uh, in St. Louis, the agencies are currently, and I, I think with um, All Things New, which is an enormous strategic planning effort and transition for the entirety of the archdiocese here in St. Louis, but it'll also impact the way Catholic Charities does its work. But right now there are nine ministries, each with their own staff and board and um, that do a variety of different things. Marygrove is one of those. We're one of two 
agencies that primarily work with children and youth, uh, Good Shepherd being the other, and I've kind of been at the helm of both of those um, over time. And so those are the ones that work primarily with foster youth, but uh, the ministries are extraordinarily broad. And, and so they include services for our, our seniors, services for survivors of domestic and relationship violence, those struggling with addiction, uh, those in need of, of mental and behavioral health care, the whole gamut of things. And I, I foresee in the future as we move through that, this transition um, that those services will be ever more broader, um, but ever more integrated and, and seamless. So I'm, I'm excited about the future. But, um, but right now, all of those are, are ministries of, uh, of the Archdiocese through Catholic Charities in St. Louis. Dr. Michael Meehan, the CEO of Mary Grove, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast and just sharing your experience and how others can get involved. Because like you said, you know, we're all a family under God. And um, it's it's nice to know that there's support and resources out there and that we all play a role in um, helping those who are vulnerable. Absolutely. And I think too, again, to follow your heart, right? To listen, you know, God works through us we are his face and hands in the world. And, and so we need to listen to where we're called and then be open to taking a leap and saying yes. And, and perhaps uh, fostering or adoption is, is one of those ways. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode from MCC from the Capitol. To hear more from the Missouri Catholic Conference, visit our website at mocatholic.org. That's mocatholic.org. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app.